0: Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. You may be seated. If, uh, if God has been good to you this week, say amen. amen. All right, y'all, listen. I, uh, I want you to know before we get started with anything else that that good God that's been good to you all week, as we just sung, he's not only good to you, but he shows you your, his goodness through his love. For you, I realize that's the most basic truth of the Christian life: is that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever should believe shall not die, but have everlasting life. I get that's the most basic thing, and what can happen sometime is once you hear something so often, it becomes familiar. It becomes comfortable. Like I can tell you that the Tar Heels are the best team ever in the history of life. You hear that so often that everybody comes accustomed to hearing it and it's not a big deal anymore. Right? right. The same can happen. With the Lord. We can hear that Jesus loves us. We can hear that God loves us. We can hear that He gave His only Son to live so that we can uh, have everlasting life. We can hear all that all the time until it starts to lose its luster, it starts to lose its impact on our life. I pray for you and I pray for me that we will never, ever, ever get lost. We will never forget the awe and the wonder and the gloriousness and the humbleness in our hearts that the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords, loves me. That's the best news you're going to hear all day. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You may get a free lunch this afternoon somewhere. It's not as good as news as what I just told you. The God of heaven loves you deeply. Not only does he love you, but man, he wants to live life with you. He wants you on his team. He wants to pick you. You're his number one pick. You know why you're the number one pick? Because he loves you that much. Because he makes you worth being the number one pick. Can we be honest real quickly before we get with our other stuff? Can I be honest with you? I'm not worth being number one pick. I know I look good this morning. I know I smell good. I know you look up here and you see a flamingo shirt. And yes, this is a real shirt. Yes, it was a Father's Day present. And yes, I love it. And neither are you worth a number one pick this morning. I hate to tell you. Like if I ruined your day, sorry, dads. <laughs> sorry but the good news is is that the Jesus in us the Lord in us Jesus living his life through us God looks at us he doesn't see poor old Michael from Denton. He didn't he doesn't see the Michael that messed up he doesn't see Michael that did this and that and said this and that years ago he sees the blood of Jesus because he loves you and me today amen all right, let's get to some other stuff here. We just finished up a, um, gosh, like a 10-week series. We talked about end times stuff for about 10 weeks. So no end times talk today. Cool. Cool. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 22. I'll be there in a couple of minutes. Before we get there, let me share with you what we want to talk about. Over the next couple of weeks, I want to spend some time talking to you about God the Father. God the Father in heaven. uh, God the Father that loves us. God the Father that sent his son Jesus to live, to die, be resurrected uh, for you and for me. And the God the Father that's going to send his son one day, as we've talked about before, to come back to take you and I home with him. Forever, I want to talk about God the Father. We're going to look at some descriptive words. We're going to look at words that describe God the Father. Now, luckily for us, we have a full book worth here of words that describe the Father in heaven. Not only do they describe Him, but we can read about those descriptive words coming to life in Scripture. So we have the ability today to look at God's Word, can speak to our mind, the words can speak to our mind, His actions can speak to our heart, but the goodness of God goes even further than that. Not only can we know God in our mind, not only can we know God in our heart, but we can also see God impact our life. We can experience God every day. We can have a relationship with God every day. We can see it, we can read it, and then we can experience it. Now, here's the deal. How many of you are married in here today? Raise your hand real quickly. Uh, Boys, how many of you are married? Put your hands up. All right, boys, let me give you a tip. Let me help you out real quick. I've been married over 13 years. That makes me an expert, okay? Let me... Let me help you out, fellas. Some of you newly married people, Luke, listen up. Get your notepad out, Luke, listen up. It's one thing to tell your wife something verbally, and it's something completely else to actually do what you said verbally. Right, fellas? Right, ladies? Yeah, yeah. My lovely wife is right there she's gorgeous and talented and beautiful and the best elementary school teacher i know she's the best however we did i know i've never read the love languages book anybody ever read the love languages book Okay, I never have, right? In case you don't know, there's a book that talks about five love languages. Everybody has um, one major love language, the way you receive love from other people and the way that you give love to other people. Everybody has one major one and then like one or two minor ones that come after that, right? I know what Callie's is, right? Here's the problem. Mine and hers don't match up. My Hers is, hers is something different than mine. So, one of hers, her minor one, is, is words, right? She loves to hear words, and I'm good at words, right? Like, I can t- say words. But her, sa- her major one is spending time together, quality time, hanging out, watching a movie, going out to eat, sitting down, relaxing, that kind of stuff. That's not me. Quality time is like my last one, okay? So I can tell, Callie, Callie, I love you. I appreciate you. I love you a whole lot. You're the best. You are the best. You hear me? You're the best. I love you. I love you a lot. Whole lot. Bunches and bunches and bunches. Whole lot. However, if I don't spend time with her, there's a disconnect between my words and actions. Correct? Everybody follow? That's the way she receives love from me. That's not necessarily the best way that I give love to her. So there's a disconnect when my words say, I love you. But I find myself, and I find my actions, and I find my lifestyle not showing that love that my words consist of. Everybody follow? The same is not true with God. We can read in Scripture, He tells us who He is. We can see it in Scripture. He does what He says He is. And not only that, but the goodness of God in our life, we can experience that too in our life today. God tells us he loves us, he shows us he loves us, and we can live and experience God's love today. So one of the the uh, describing words, the descriptive word that we're going to talk about this morning um, with God is that of God being a provider. God being the provider, not a provider, but God being the provider in our life. Now we just sung a song two songs ago where we sung about God being the provider. In the Old Testament, We see God being the provider. His name is Jehovah, which means God, and then Jireh, which we just sung that song a couple minutes ago. Jehovah Jireh, which means God the provider. We see that in the book of Genesis in the life of Abraham. We're going to look at it in a couple minutes, but before we get there, let me give you a little background on Abraham. Uh, Abraham was promised by God to be a father of many nations. To be a father of many, to have a lot of babies, have a lot of kids, have a lot of people following him. He was promised to be the father of many. However, Abraham found himself at 100 years old, found his wife Sarah at 90 years old with no kids. Now, I am 40. I'll be 41 in November, and I have a one-year-old little girl, and I have a seven-year-old boy that's the best, too. Can you imagine being 100 years old and wanting a kid? Mom and dad, can you imagine being 100 years old? Mom, can you imagine being 90 years old thinking, I want to have a baby? 65. (laughs) 65. I can't imagine being 40 and having another kid. (laughs) We're not. Okay, so Abraham didn't have a kid. God told him, said, you're going to be a father. So Abraham took matters into his own hands, and he had relations with his servant, and they had a baby named Ishmael. However, that was not God's plan. God's plan was not for him to take matters into his own hands. God's plan was for him to be the provider and to provide Abraham with a kid. But Abraham didn't do it. How many times in our life today do we take matters into our own hands? Do we not wait on God's timing, but we start thinking, well, I can do this myself. You ever been there? Be honest with me. You ever been there? Thinking, why is God taking so long to take care of this? I'm just going to do it myself. I don't need to pray about this. I can do it. I don't need to seek counsel, counsel from the Word. I can do it. Abraham decided to take matters into his own hands. However, that was not God's promise. His promise was that he would provide a kid he would provide the children for Abraham to be a great nation. So one day Abraham and Sarah had some heavenly visitors to their tent, had some angels visit their tent and they told them said listen you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a kid. You're going to be a dad, you're going to be a mom. And sure enough, sometime later, Abraham had a baby, he and Sarah had a baby. His, they named him Isaac. Now, get the full picture there. Abraham got this promise. He was 100 years old, no kid, had a heavenly visitor come to his tent. You can read all this in the book of Genesis. The the visitor, the angel said, listen, you're going to have a baby. The word of the Lord said, you're going to have a baby. The baby came. Can you imagine Abraham's joy and excitement that, man, not only did God promise me a baby, but God provided me a baby. Get this whole picture. Abraham waited and waited and waited. Tried to do it himself, messed up. God said, listen, wait for me, I will provide. God provided one son for Abraham in Isaac. Can you imagine how much Abraham loves that boy? You guys get the whole picture here? Dads, think of how much you love your kids. Now think if you waited 100 years for that kid. Think if that, that kid was the promise from God, and God made you wait, and you waited, and you tried to do it yourself. You messed it up, and you waited and waited, and then finally God delivers that promise, and you have a baby boy. You name him Isaac. Can you imagine the love and the joy and the happiness that, we, that Abraham was going through? Everybody follow? Everybody with me? Now we get to a different time where we see God providing, and we get to a kind of a a life test, a faith test that Abraham has. We'll read about this in Genesis 22 in just a minute. We see that God calls Abraham to do something with this boy we'll talk about in a minute. But before we talk about that, let's talk about faith tests. Genesis 22, verse 1 says, God tests Abraham. God tested his faith. Uh, Real quickly about faith tests. Faith tests are good. Anytime your faith is being tested, anytime your faith in God the Father, anytime your faith in the Lord is being tested, that's a good thing. Now let me say this. Every valley that you go through, every struggle that you go through, is not a faith test. Sometimes we get ourselves in a mess that we have a hard time getting out of. Right? 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 Not everything, not every pain, not every heartache, not every trouble that we go through is a test from God. Sometimes it's our own stupidity that gets us where we're at. Right? Right. You don't have to say right this morning because I know it. (laughs) I know it. Sometimes we go left when we should have went right and we find ourselves in a valley. Sometimes we go down when we should have went up and we find ourselves in a valley. That's not God sending you a test. That's you being dumb and doing something you shouldn't have done and going where you shouldn't have been, saying what you shouldn't have said, doing what you shouldn't have done to get yourself in the valley. A faith test is sent from God. A faith test is here for three reasons. It's not here to tear you down. A test from God is not here to make you feel bad about yourself. A faith test is not here to make you feel like a terrible person and to rip out your faith and for you to lose your faith in God. A faith test is here for three reasons. We're going to see it in the life of Abraham here in just a minute. A faith test is here for three reasons. One, it's here so that you learn something about God the Father. So that you learn something about God. Two, it's so that you learn something about yourself. God tests our faith so that we realize maybe I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as wise as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. A faith test is here to teach us something about God. It's here to teach us something about ourselves, and it's here to let to show us that God is a God is the provider in our lives. Lots of times our test becomes comes to us in a way that we can't do it on our own. So we have to rely on God to provide a way for us. And that's what we see here in the life of Abraham, that God is the Jehovah Jireh. He's the God, the provider, and he provided for Abraham a son when he said he would. And we're going to read here in Genesis 22 about how he provided in another way. So, if you have a Bible, Genesis 22 Starting in verse 1, we're going to read 1 through 14, says this. Sometimes later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. Abraham said, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Stop! Did you guys catch that? You, ever, you, you all know this story, right? What in the world is God thinking? God promised a son, he delivered a son, he provided a son, and now sometime later here, God says, Abraham, take that boy, go up to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. You guys know how sacrifices worked in the Old Testament times? They would build an altar, almost like a stage kind of deal. Um, They would have firewood, they would have fire, and then you would burn up the offering as a burnt offering, as giving it up to God in heaven. So God is saying, take this boy that you love, that you care for deeply, the one that I provided for you, the one that you waited and waited and waited and waited. Offer him as a sacrifice. Keep reading. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He uh, He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up. And said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? That's a pretty good question, right? If you're Isaac, if you're in Isaac's shoes, that's a pretty good question. Like, Dad, I see the wood, I see the fire. Where's the lamb? Keep reading. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Do not lay a hand on the boy," he said. "Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld your son, uh, you have not withheld from me your son, your only son." Verse thirteen. Abraham looked up there in the thicket. He saw a ram caught, um, caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son Isaac. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So there we see that God not only provided Abraham a son, but then he called Abraham to sacrifice that son. And God once again provided the means of sacrifice with the ram. So, what is the point about being about God being a provider. What can we learn? Two quick things. Number one, God's promises are greater than our need for explanations. God's promises are greater than our need for an explanation. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. Look at this story. God called Abraham to go sacrifice his son. We see Abraham did not try to bargain with God. He didn't try to make a deal with God. He didn't try to change God's mind. He didn't try to talk God down. He didn't try to tell God, take me instead of him. Abraham did what? The next morning, he got up, packed up his donkey, got Isaac, got the two servants, got the wood, got the fire, got the knife, packed up the donkey, traveled for three days to where God had showed them And then he was going to do what God asked him to do. Why was he going to do what God asked him to do? Because God's promises is greater than our need for explanations. How many of you have gone through a struggle and you have prayed a prayer of, God, why? Anybody ever done that? Sure you have. God, why? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? Why couldn't it be different? Why couldn't it change? Why did it have to happen? Why does this hurt? Why did he leave? Why did she lie? God, why? Let me share with you real quickly. It's not a bad thing to ask God why. That's not bad. The bad is when we live with why and we never can get past why. The bad thing is when we never receive an answer for why. The bad thing is when we receive an answer and we don't understand the answer for why. Asking God why is not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. The truth is, is that God's promise is greater than the explanation. Could God give you a detailed explanation of why you go through what you go through? Yeah, he certainly could. But the promise is greater. And what is the promise? The promise is that you and I have the presence of God with us at all times. An explanation don't mean anything when you're in a fight. An explanation don't mean much when you're in a valley. What you need is the helping hand of the Jehovah Jireh, God the provider, the one that's with you, the one that will always be with you, the one that's in the valley, the one that's on the mountaintop with you, the Jehovah Jireh, the provider, the one that can get you out of the valley, the one that will be with you through the valley, the one that can lead you into the promised land. It doesn't matter so much why we're there What matters is who's with us when we're there. So what was the promise here that God promised Abraham? You're going to be a father to many. Abraham understood God's promise. That's why he didn't question. He may not have understood what God was asking him to do. Does it make sense that God would ask him to sacrifice the promised son that he promised him and made him wait for 100 years? Now, Abraham didn't know this at the time, but we have the ability today in 2022 to know the rest of Scripture and to know that Isaac is in the bloodline of Jesus Christ, that Isaac is in the royal bloodline of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what it looks like is God himself is cutting off the lifeline, cutting off the bloodline of Jesus. What in the world is God thinking? To Abraham, an explanation wouldn't have done any good. Because he knew the promise. God promised him to be a father. And he trusted that God would provide a way for that promise, no matter what. What kind of faith is that, y'all? Can you imagine having that faith? I would love to have that faith. I'm trusting God no matter what. God promised me to be a father of many. I'm trusting him no matter. Matter what. Hebrews 11 kind of gives us another insight to Abraham's thinking when it says this Hebrews 11, by faith, when God tested Abraham, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises, which is Abraham, he had embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Look at verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Abraham is saying this. Man, it don't matter. I don't need to know why. I don't need to know why this is happening. I don't need to know why I'm going through this because I have God's promise. I have God's promise that I will be a father. I have God's promise that he provided. I've seen God provide Abraham for me one time. or I've seen God provide Isaac for me one time. I am trusting and knowing and confident that he did it before he can do it again. Today today you my friends you may be having a faith test you may have got yourself in a valley either way the point is still the same you have a promise from God as a believer and a follower of Jesus God's promise to you is that I'm with you I'll never leave you or forsake you you're in the valley I'm in the valley with you it doesn't matter why we're there let's not don't worry about it don't worry about it. it doesn't matter what matters is I'm with you we're going through it together I'm with you arm in arm. Not only is he with us, but man, he will go through it with us. Not only will he go through it with us, he will see us out of it and come through on the other side. That's the promise that God gives you and I today. He's done it before, he'll do it again. Abraham is saying, God provided once, I'm trusting God to provide again. The promise of God is greater than the explanation that we could ever receive about why we go through what we go through. Amen. Number two. When God calls, God provides. When God calls, God provides. We see God called Abraham to go make a sacrifice. And he provided for that sacrifice with a ram caught in the thicket, caught in the thorns by his horns. God provided what he called Abraham to do. What Abraham didn't know Those three days after he left his tent, loaded up the donkey, three days it took him to get where God was calling him to go, you know, he had to be thinking, like, what's happening? Like, I'm really going to do this. I'm really going to do this. God, you called me to it. I'm trusting in you. God, you promised me to be a father. I'm trusting in you. What Abraham did not know is that coming up maybe on the other side of that mountain was the provision of what he called Abraham to do was the provided ram was there at the same time, and Abraham had no clue. I think I've told you guys before. I, uh, anybody here like the Karate Kid movies? Love them. Love them. Uh, no, we're talking about the first three. The first one, really. The second two are okay. With Mr. Miyagi, Daniel's son. It's great. You know, in the very first one, Um, Danielson goes to Mr. Miyagi does anybody else say Danielson real quick when you say Danielson or just me just me okay there you go my man thanks Landon so in the first one Danielson goes to Mr. Miyagi and he wants him to teach him karate Mr. Miyagi says okay so what does he do he hands him a what a towel says go wash the cars you know that story right and he tells shows him how to put the wash the car and he tells him how to wax on and then wax off yes wax on wax off and then he says okay he hands him away what a paintbrush tells him to go paint the fence and he shows him how to paint the fence he's like long strokes up long strokes down and then he says do this board right-handed this board left-handed long strokes up long strokes down after that he gives him what who remembers Yes. Yes, he sure did. Father. the third thing he taught him was a, how to sand the porch. Everybody remember? Sand the porch. Big circles. Big circles. Sand the porch. And then finally, my man Danielson got tired of this because he wanted to learn karate, but Mr. Miyagi was just having him do housework. And so Mr. Miyagi said, okay, it's time for me to show you what's happening. So he tells him, he says, wax on, wax off. And so then Daniel, he, or Mr. Miyagi, starts to punch Daniel and he hits him with the wax on and he blocks the punch with the wax off. And he, what Daniel's son failed to realize is that the whole time he thought he was just doing busy work, but he was actually learning how to do karate. Here in this story, we see Abraham the whole time he was trusting God to provide for him and do what him, do for him, what only he could do. He had no idea God had that provision already in place. I want to encourage you today that when God calls you to something, He has already prepared you to go there, and He will continue preparing you on the way there. We see it all throughout Scripture. We see it here in the book of Genesis with Abraham and Isaac. We see it in the next book of Scripture, in the book of Exodus, when God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and out of slavery and into the promised land. Moses was like, you can't use me. Don't use me. I st- I can't lead people what do I know little did he know he spent the past 40 years leading herds of cattle and leading herds of sheep through the wilderness, he had no idea that God was using those 40 years of struggle and 40 years of work to prepare him to lead the, people of, lead the Israelites out of Egypt. When God calls, God always provides. We see it in the New Testament when Jesus is walking on water and Peter stands up and says, Lord, if that's you, call me out of the boat. What does Jesus say? Come on! And Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking on water. The Lord called him out of the boat and provided the ability for him to walk on water. When God calls, he provides. My encouragement for you today, whatever God is calling you to do. If God is calling you to start something new in your life, you have been prepared for it and he will continue to provide for you for it. He will prov- when he calls he provides. If he's calling you to stop something old in your life, he will give you the strength and the wisdom and the power through him to be able to stop whatever it is. If he's calling you to give something, he will provide what he wants you to give. If he's calling you to share, he will provide the words, he will provide the resources for you to share. When God calls, God provides because he is the Jehovah-Jireh. He is the great provider. One more example of God providing, and we'll be done. Three years ago, almost four years ago now, we, meaning Charles and myself and Alex and a couple others, we felt led by the Lord to come here to this place, to come here to this church almost be four years in October y'all four years four years in October sweet I can't wait four years ago we had a call from God to go start a new church not just to go start a new church but to go help a church that needed help and God provided so many ways over the last four years I cannot begin to explain to you how God provided one of the things that God provided is you. Everybody turn to the person's side of you. Look at them real quick. Just real quick. Turn, just real quick. Look, 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 look. Not only will God provide for you, but God will use you to be the provision for somebody else. God used you all. God used you. God used Ed Clayton of all people. And clayton to be a blessing to me and to this church god will not only provide for you but he will use you to be the provision for somebody else god is the great provider he is the provider he's our source he's not one of the sources he is the source I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning. Man, whatever needs you may have today, God can provide. He is the Jehovah Jireh. He is the God, the provider. Look at Abraham's faith here in verse 5, and then we're done. Come on up, Ben. We're almost done. Look at Abraham's faith here. Genesis 22, verse 5, says this. So they got to the bottom of the mountain, and here's what uh, Abraham says. Abraham said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Look, what's he say next? What's the next word? Somebody talk to me. We. Who's we? Him and Isaac. We will worship, and then who? We will what? Come back to you. Abraham knew at the bottom of the mountain that him and Isaac were both coming back. Abraham knew at the bottom of the mountain who God was and what God could do in his life. Abraham knew at the bottom of the mountain, before they got to the top, Before the altar was built, before Isaac was laid on the altar, before God said, whoa, 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 before God provided the lamb for the sacrifice for the offering, Abraham knew at the bottom of the mountain, Isaac's coming back. Why did he know that? Because he knew God the provider. He knew the Jehovah Jireh. My question for you this morning, do you know the same? Do you know that God can provide, that God will provide, because he is the provider? Look at the faith in Abraham's words. We will go and worship, and then we will come Seeing God's provision is all about your faith in God, the provider. Abraham, knew at the bottom, we're coming back. Today, if you find yourself in a place of need, do you know? I'm not talking about do you think. I'm talking about do you know that God will provide? Do you have faith that he will and that he can? provide for you today let's stand together let's pray lord again we thank you for today god thank you for your word god thank you for this example we have of great faith here in scripture god thank you for this example that we have of you being the jehovah jireh of you being the provider for our life of you being the sustainer Of our life. God, thank you simply put for you being who you are and what you have done for us. God, I pray now for my brothers and sisters and I pray for myself for the needs that we may have in our life. God, I pray that we won't look to another person. I pray we won't look to another thing. I pray we won't look to another event. I pray we won't look to another human to provide for us what only you can provide for us. God, help us to know that you are the Jehovah Jireh. God, you already have the answers lined up. God, your promises are greater than any explanation that we need. God, we are trusting you and you alone today. As we sing today, if you have a prayer need, if you need a need met from God above, I want to invite you to come down to the altar to pray, maybe pray a prayer of faith, trusting God to do what only God can do. If you want, if you need prayer today, you come forward as we sing.